We welcome those here today and listening on the radio to our worship service. We hope that you find inspiration from our service and the study of our Bible this morning and praises to our Lord. The Lord calls each and every one of us to a unique path in life. That path can change. You may have questions and want to be a part of a Bible study. You may want to help others serve our Lord's people. You may feel drawn to meditate. There are many needs of those of our Lord. You may be able to find some of those where you're called to to touch in the bulletin. So please look through the bulletin for those opportunities to serve, to pray for those in need and be a part of Bible studies. A few items to uh, to share. We uh, celebrate uh, Sue Hoagie's 99th birthday on March 12th. The flowers here on the altar are a gift from her family. Happy birthday, Sue. <laughs> Wonderful Wednesday start back this past week. Dinner is served at 545 and is open to everyone. So invited to, to come and, and join us this week. Otis Spunkmeyer cookie dough sales are going on until March 24th. There's a link in the bulletin to look online. Uh, catalog, or you can order from many of our students at or and at the office. The Tuesday morning Bible study group will meet this Tuesday, the 19th at 9 a.m. in the Ministry Center Youth Room. Shannon Rediger is actually back home now, so if you want to reach out to her and, or send a card, she is at Dave and, uh, Dave and Anita's. With that, if you would uh, uh, rise and Join me in the call to worship, which is taken from Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, I hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, keep this record of sin, Lord, who could stand? Well, with you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And now let us sing hymn 334. Come ye sinners, poor and needy. You'll notice there's a refrain that we're going to sing as if it's the fifth verse. So verses one through four and then the refrain as the fifth verse.
now we'll have our children chat. And while they're coming up, if you would please share a warm smile and a hand to those near you. How are you guys today? Good. So, last week we started a new season in the church. What started last Wednesday or a week ago Wednesday? Well, Wonderful Wednesday started, but what actually started the week before that? Lent. Lent. Very good. What is Lent? The four, it's 40 days, yeah? Evan? It leads up to Easter, doesn't it? It's a time where, you know how before Christmas we have Advent when we're getting ready for Jesus' birth? Well, Lent is the day, 40 days um, plus Sundays that lead up to Easter, okay? Whenever we get ready to talk about how Jesus died on the cross for each one of us. Now, this coming Wednesday starts the, is the start of a new season also. Spring. spring! How many of you are excited for spring? Yes. I am so excited for spring to be able to get outside and play and clean up the yard and open up some windows and get all them bad germs out that have been bugging us all lately. So, and get fresh air in the house. I know. Isn't that a wonderful smell? Maybe hang your bed sheets on the clothesline. Oh, nothing better than that. All right. Mommy does that. Oh, my goodness. Well, as I'm thinking about Lent and springtime, I realize that there are a lot of things I like to do in the springtime that are similar to things that you and I can do and maybe should do during Lent. So, like we talked about, opening up the windows so that we can open up our house and spring our, fill our house up with spring fresh air. Well, in Lent, it's a good idea to open up our Bibles to learn more about Jesus and read the Bible. Okay, so opening up our windows for spring and opening up our Bibles. Okay. Perfect. Okay, also springtime comes spring cleaning. Okay, how many of you like that part of spring? Me either. But it's a great time to clear things out, to go through your closets. What don't you need anymore? What can you share with somebody else? Okay. And in Lent, we can clean out things in our lives that we really don't need anymore. Things that get in the way of following Jesus. Maybe like watching too much TV or playing too many video games. And cut some of that out and maybe spend that time praying or helping somebody else. Okay, got to clean out some of those bad habits. Okay, we also need to sweep. We need to sweep up, get all the dirt out of the garage that's accumulated, and just do a good thorough cleaning. Well, Lent is also a good time to ask us, have I made any mistakes or messes that I need to clean up? Hmm, you guys don't have messy rooms or anything, do you? Sometimes your rooms get messy. Sometimes your toy room gets a little messy because it's just easier to leave them out because you're going to play with them again. Yeah, I get that. 
But, you know, moms, we like to have things cleaned up sometimes. So, but, do you have anybody... Do you, do you have anybody that you need to say you're sorry to because you've, you've said something mean to them in the past or you've done something mean to them? Okay? That's another way that you can clean up and try to change and do things different. Okay? And then one of my favorite things about spring is getting to plant. Planting seeds and watching things grow. Hold on. And watching things grow. Okay, what kind of seeds can we plant? A buckeye. We could plant a buckeye. Yes. I have a bunch of buckeyes from last year. Okay. Can we plant flower seeds? Vegetable seeds? A little early on the pumpkin seeds, but yeah, you can plant them. Okay. First of all, we can't plant any seeds outside until it warms up. But there is another kind of seed that we can plant. Okay, and that is the seed of love in the hearts of those who are around us by telling somebody about Jesus, by doing something for them without being told. Okay, those are all different ways that we can plant the seed of Jesus so that other people can learn more about Jesus and want to open up their Bibles and clean up their lives. Okay, so Lent and spring have a lot of similarities. All right, so let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so excited for spring and all that it holds for us, new life, new growth. Be with us as we try to find ways to clean up our lives, to open up the Bible and pray more and learn more and maybe clean up and put aside the things that aren't such good things for us to do and replace them with great things to do. Bless each of these children. Keep them happy, healthy, and safe. In his name we pray. Amen. Lost in our service in the last week in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, Captain Antonin Lewis, 40, from Matheson, Illinois, in Georgia, Private First Class Tristan Creamer, 20, from Kissimmee, Florida. Let's stand, and before we go to the Lord in prayer, let's sing about turning our eyes upon Jesus. I invite you to stand and sing number 335 with us.
be seated. Father, we are here this morning so that we can turn our eyes upon you. As we set our sights on you and and focus on you this morning, Lord, um, help us to set aside any distractions. Help us to put aside those things, Lord, that that keep us from you and help us to more fully and more completely uh, turn our eyes to you, Lord, and, and seek your face and to seek your presence here in this place. We gather to worship you today. We gather to sing your praises, uh, to, to hear from your word to lift up our, our praises and prayer concerns to you in prayer. And, and, and that's what we are, are here to do, Lord. That's what you call us to do. And, and we are responding to the great love and the grace that you have shown us. And so, Lord, we lift up our uh, things, Lord, in our, in our own communities, and our own families, as well as our world, Lord, that are um, in need of your, your grace and your, your provision. Lord, with heavy hearts, we again pray for uh, victims of, of a mass shooting, this time in New Zealand. And uh, we ask, Lord, for, for your grace to be with those families that lost loved ones. Uh, we ask for your healing to be with those that are, are, uh, were injured and are still uh, being treated at local hospitals. Lord, we ask for your love to be poured out on that community who, who lost loved ones. Lord, you ask us to, to pray for our neighbors, to love our neighbors, and that includes all people, Lord. Um, and we ask, Lord, that you would uh, be with them and, and help them through this very difficult time. Lord, we also, in, in light of that, we, we do pray, Lord, for, uh, for an end to violence like this, an end to extremism and radicalism and, and things, Lord, that that lead people to commit such heinous and, and brutal acts. We ask, Lord, for your love to transform people's hearts in such a way that, that we, hear, we don't have to hear and experience and see these sorts of tragedies in our world anymore. Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. You are, uh, you are uh, Lord, our good and gracious and loving God. And so we ask that we would be able to experience your peace and the reality of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we ask for these things, uh, as well as the, the concerns that are more immediate to our own lives as well. We ask for healing where it's needed. We ask for your provision, Lord, for those who are in need in our own communities. We ask for uh, healing and, of, of broken relationships and healing of, uh, and reconciliation to take place, Lord. Uh, Lord, we, we live in a broken world. Uh, we live in a world that is affected by sin and the, and the result and the consequence of sin. And, and Lord, that has a negative effect on our own lives and in the, in the communities and the world that we live in. And so, Lord, I, we ask for your healing, your reconciliation, your peace and forgiveness to be experienced in real and practical ways. Lord, we ask all of these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Before we have our offering this morning, uh, you'll notice in your bulletin that the offering today is going towards Vacation Bible School for this year. And so we thought it'd be a great opportunity for Pastor Tori to come up and just share a little bit about what we can expect from Vacation Bible School coming up this summer. 
Good morning. So like you said, BBS is coming soon. It's less than three months away. Um, but we are very excited for this year um, and for the theme. And so this year, things are going to get a little wild around here. We're going on a safari adventure. Um, and our motto is zoom in and focus on Jesus. Uh, so the students are going to be going uh, through a different wildlife stations. Um, and in each station, they're going to learn about who Jesus was and different encounters with Jesus. And so the centering verse for this year is John 20:31, and it says, But these are all written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, so we're hoping that the kids encounter Christ every single day at VBS. Um, and we can't do VBS without you all, um, without, obviously, monetary provisions, but also your help and your prayers especially. Um, so if you are interested in volunteering, uh, please let me know. We will be doing a big push for that soon. Um, but I would just love to ask for your prayers as we begin to plan this, as we begin to think through each day um, and get all the details together, please just be praying for Mindy and myself, um, but also pray for the kids as well. Pray that their hearts would be open to encountering Jesus um, in new and real and exciting ways at VBS this year. Thank you. Thanks, Tori. And it really is a community VBS. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with us, we partner with the United Methodist Church here in New Knoxville. And, and between the two churches, we put on this, this great program for the community. And so we thank you for your support. We thank you for your help. It's never too early to push for those volunteers, right, Tori? And, and we thank you, of course, for your prayers. And so, um, so that is what our offering is going towards this morning. And so at this time, I do want to invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward.
If you are able to remain standing for our scripture reading this morning, that would be great. Our scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 3, verses 21 through 24. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. Many may be seated. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to gather here and to worship you. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the gift of your word, that we may know you, we may uh, learn more about you, and and, uh, through studying it and through hearing from it together. And I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this day as a result of our time in your word. I pray that you would give me words to speak and open up our hearts and minds, as I said, uh, to what you have to say to us this day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So last week, as uh, the first Sunday in Lent, we began a new sermon series that uh, dealt with um, our identity in Christ. We're going to be talking Continuing that conversation today and, and really hitting some, uh, continuing through the Lenten season to hit some major points. Uh, I don't think I shared last week, if we really wanted to, to do a thorough job and really, really dive deep into what it means to, to be made in Christ's image and to, to be in Christ, we could be preaching on this topic for a whole year. There's so much that scripture has to say about what it means to be in Christ. Um, there's, there's scripture verses, uh, that, that flesh that out for us. And so really what we're trying to do over these five weeks is, is hit the highlights, hit the main points, um, so that we can see not only who we are in Christ, but also the, the greatness of what God has done for us through Christ. And so, uh, part of what we're going to be doing is, is walking through, uh, walking through this and walking through how we should respond to the gospel as a result of uh, what we learn over these weeks. You see, last week we talked about how we are created in God's image and the, the implications of that, how we are made to know Him, to be in a relationship with Him, that we have a purpose, which is to love God and love others and to make disciples, and that we have been created to know Him for eternity. Uh, and we see that from from a lot of passages throughout the Bible, but especially in Genesis 1 and 2 in the creation accounts and, and Adam and Eve in the garden. Well, it didn't take too long for Adam and Eve to kind of mess things up, right? Didn't take too long for, for that perfect creation, that perfect world that was created by God to be disrupted by sin. It was in Genesis 3 that we see sin enter the world through the fall. Uh, and, and as a result of that, we see that, that we are in fact broken by sin. And that has a lot of implications, and, uh, and, and we're going to flesh out some of those today. But, but the first thing I want to talk about is, is the fact that we don't like to talk about sin, do we? We don't like to bring up the fact that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We don't necessarily, it makes us uncomfortable to talk about how sin is a reality in our lives and in our world today. And, and that makes us kind of squirm a little bit in our seats, if we're honest with ourselves. It's not easy to talk about it. Uh, but it is important to talk about because uh, we'll see later on why why that is. But 
But first, we, we avoid talking about sin because uh, I think part of it is we, we don't want to admit our shortcomings and our failures. We like to pretend like we're perfect. We like to pretend that we have it all together. Uh, and so to acknowledge sin, to, re- to, to acknowledge that it is a reality, not just in the world, but in my life, that means that I am, in fact, not perfect. And I do have, uh, do have some trouble there. Another reason why we avoid talking about sin is because we don't necessarily believe that sin is sin. We don't believe that sin is even real or, or, or a thing, and so we, we avoid talking about it. We don't have those uncomfortable conversations because we just don't believe that sin is a problem in the first place. In other words, you can do whatever you want, you can think whatever you want, you can act however you want, and it doesn't really matter because there is no such thing as sin. Another reason we avoid talking about sin is because we believe that even if sin is real, it's not that big of a deal. Even if there is a right way and a wrong way to live and that we are, we find ourselves on the wrong way sometimes, we think, well, what's, what's wrong with that? What's the big deal? You live your way, I'll live my way, and as long as we're not bothering each other, that's, then we can just agree to disagree, right? We don't believe that sin is really a significant thing, and even if sin is, is real, and even if sin is an, aff- is an affront to, to God and His holiness and His righteousness and His justice, we think, well, God will just wipe the slate clean. He'll just forgive it, and therefore it's no real big deal, right? God will just ignore sin, and, and we will uh, not have to deal with the reality of it. And really, I think underneath all of this, underneath this, these reasons for avoiding talking about sin is, this, is, is pride. We don't like to talk about sin because it disrupts our pride. We, we believe that we are perfect just the way we are and that we don't have anything to be sorry for or anything to confess. And so we just avoid that altogether. We like to create this image that we are, in fact, perfect. But what happens when we avoid talking about sin? If, if that is, in fact, the case, if, if we like to uh, ignore this problem, what happens when we avoid talking about it? And the first and maybe one of the biggest is that we don't realize our own brokenness. As I said, part of our, uh, uh, what it means to, to be, find our identity in Christ is to acknowledge that we are, in fact, broken by sin. That sin does, in fact, affect our lives in the world that we live in today. But if we avoid talking about it, if we don't acknowledge sin as a, as a real issue, then we can't understand really the depths of our brokenness. We don't know that there could be anything better out there. And, and in a sense, we're kind of blinded by, uh, blinded to, I should say, the reality of sin. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about how we are in fact blinded to the reality of sin. Non-believers are. In, in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, he says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. 
For God who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. In other words, when we avoid talking about sin, when we, when we ignore that problem, it's like we're being blinded so that we can't even see the reality of the gospel. And so if we, if we don't realize our brokenness, if we don't realize that we are in fact sinners in need of a Savior, then we will also never appreciate God's love and mercy and goodness. Because if we don't realize that we need saving, if we don't realize that we are broken and need to be put back together, we won't truly understand and appreciate the lengths that God has gone to do just that for us. We won't realize the great love and grace and mercy that God extends to us freely, not of our own doing, but simply because of his great love for us through Christ. We'll never appreciate that. We'll never know it for ourselves if we don't take the time to acknowledge our brokenness in the first place. When we avoid talking about sin, it also hinders evangelism. Because if sin isn't a problem, if it's not real or not that big of a deal, then what do we need to be saved from? Or to take that a step further, why should I bother sharing the gospel with someone else? Why should I bother showing the light and love of Christ to another person if there's no ultimate consequences for their sin? There's no urgency to reach the lost because of the lack of consequences. Uh, um, oh, I forget his first name. Penn, one of the, the, the famous magician, half of the Penn and Teller uh, duo, uh, is, a, is a very outspoken uh, atheist. He, he, he's not afraid to, to share that with others. And, and many years ago, he posted a video of, of himself on YouTube just talking about this encounter that he had with a fan. This fan had waited uh, waited for some time to speak with him after a show, and 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 when he finally got his opportunity, he he you know just thanked thanked Penn for his his performance and and all the stuff. Told me really enjoyed the show and and just handed him a, a a Bible, handed him this this Bible to and just told him it was a gift and he wanted him to have it and and that was kind of the end of it and. And uh, Penn actually really appreciated this conversation and this interaction he had with the per- this person because he went on to say that if, if we truly believe what the Bible says, if we truly believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are sinners in need of a Savior and apart from Christ there is no salvation, uh, how much do you really have to hate someone to not share that good news with them? That if, that if heaven and hell are a reality and that, and that those in Christ, uh, by His grace will spend eternity with Him and those that have been separated from God and are outside of Christ and outside of His grace will spend eternity in hell, how much do you have to hate someone to not share that good news with them? And so he went on as, and, 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 you know, he went on to say that he didn't, still didn't believe and, and, and went on in that direction. But, but he said, you know, if, if we truly believe the gospel, if we truly believe that sin is real and if we truly believe that God's grace is real, then, then it's an act of love to, to extend that grace, to demonstrate that grace for another person. And so if we, on, on the, the converse then, if we don't believe sin is a problem, that's going to hinder our, our urgency and evangelism. And another, another consequence of avoiding talking about sin is that 
uh, is that this mindset leads to pluralism. It's actually the conversation in, in Jake's Sunday school class last week, uh, this, this notion of pluralism. You know, if there is so no sin, then it means that there's no absolute truth or there's no absolute standard for right or wrong. Uh, and then, and then we, we digress to the point where we can't even decide what truth is truth, whose truth is the truth, and, and who is, and how do we, how do we navigate those problems when, when we, uh, when we avoid talking about sin or we avoid talking about this idea of an absolute right and wrong, uh, in the universe. And so when we avoid that, when we don't acknowledge the reality of absolute truth, absolute right and wrong, uh, it leads to a, a, a culture, a society where it's almost impossible to then talk about truth or talk about uh, this idea of, of an absolute, good, perfect, loving God who has made salvation possible for us all. And so what is sin? What are we talking about here when we talk about sin? The Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible defines sin as evil doing seen in re- from a religious perspective, uh, not only against humanity or society or other people or even oneself, but ultimately against God. And so we understand sin then in contrast to God's perfect goodness and God's perfect holiness. In other words, sin is anything that, that falls short of, of God's perfect character and love that we see on display first and foremost through Jesus Christ and, and revealed to us in his word. One of the most frequent Hebrew or Greek and Greek words for sin uh, can mean, um, when translated, can mean to miss the mark or to fail in duty. In other words, it's, it's an archery term. You, you aimed, you shot your arrow at a target, you just missed, right? And, and there was, there was a, a target you were reaching for, and for one reason or another, you fell short of it. Another common word that's translated both in the Old and New Testaments is, is like transgression, which means overstepping the limits. You are, there is a boundary and you have stepped over that boundary. Again, intentional or otherwise. Other words used to describe sin indicate an idea of lawlessness or rebellion, something that is simply perverse or wrong or breaking the law or standard. Our sin in relation to God is often described as a debt, an unpaid obligation that we are unable to pay ourselves. So there's a couple of things that we can learn about the nature of sin and, and how it's described in, in God's word. First of all, that there is the we do need to acknowledge that some sin is accidental or unintentional. Just because you didn't mean to do it doesn't mean it wasn't wrong for you to do. Right? Sometimes accidents happen. Sometimes you say or think or do things that you didn't really mean or didn't understand what you were doing at the time. And we can't use that as a justification or as an excuse. It's still sin. Sometimes we try our hardest. Sometimes we aim that arrow right at the target. And for one reason or another, it just doesn't hit a bullseye. And instead of saying, well, I tried my hardest or, well, I, I thought this was the right thing to do, it's important still to acknowledge sin as sin and admit that it's, it is falling short of God's glory, as this Romans 3.23 passage said. Uh, so if some sin is accident, accidental and unintended, there also is that sin which is 
not accidental and is intended. In other words, some sin is, is in a sense outright rebellion against God and his character and his law as we know it through his word. Another way to think about it is sin is treason, right, against God and his kingdom. God has put forth his rule, his law, his reign, and as Christians we acknowledge that he is our king and our savior, right? And even, even he's, he is the, the creator and the sustainer of, of this world, this universe. And to go against his will, to go against his character, willfully knowing and breaking the law is, in a sense, treason, we are rebelling against God when we sin. And so all sin then is an affront to God. It's, whether it's intentional or unintentional or even unknown, it contradicts his character and his will and therefore is, is uh, worthy of, of experiencing the consequences of sin. To go back to this Romans 3.23 passage, it's important also to note that, that sin affects all of us. Right? This isn't just a problem that some people have. This isn't just a problem that affects those people out there. It's a problem that affects all of us. Romans 3, 22 and 23 says, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. In other words, Jew and Gentile were the two categories that God's people often thought of themselves. There was the Jewish people, who were God's people, and then there were the Gentiles. There was everyone else. Gentile simply means the nations. And so, so Paul here is incorporating Everyone in this category, all people, God's people, those that are outside of God's people, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is a very inclusive statement, if you want to think about it that way, right? All of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory. There is no one who is immune to its effects or its reach. You know, I do think in a sense, uh, you know, if, for those of you who are familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous and how they structure their meetings, there there really is some value into what they do and some real uh, healing that can take place when you stand up in front of another another group of people and say, you know, hi, I'm Joel and I'm a sinner, right? There is healing there and acknowledging the reality of sin and the struggle of that. You know, that first step in in the 12-step program is to acknowledge that there is a problem, acknowledge that there is, you are at fault. And so in the same way as People as human beings, we need to acknowledge that too, that we are sinners in need of a Savior, you know, myself included. And so what are the consequences of sin according to Scripture? Well, first and foremost, we see that the wages of sin is death. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And this death is both the physical and spiritual variety We see in Genesis chapter 3 that the result of the fall, the result of sin entering in the world was physical death. God tells Adam, from the dust you were made to the dust you will return. He would, creation, the world, and and human beings would experience death uh, as a result of sin. But it's also spiritual death. We are separated from God. Because of our sin, it creates a barrier so that we can no longer have that perfect relationship, that perfect communion with God that we were meant to have in the beginning. We talked last week all about how we were made in God's image to know him, to love him, have that relationship with him. Well, sin has broken that. Sin has, has estranged us from the Lord. Uh, but, it's all, but it's not just that. It's not just separation from God, but it also leads to broken relationships with other people. Our sin affects other people, whether we realize it or not. 
And so our relationships that we experience in this world, whether that's husband and wife, whether that's family, whether that's you know work or neighbors, all of our relationships are broken and strained as a result of sin. In a sense, it's, it's the failure to fulfill our purpose. Our purpose on this world, no matter who we are, is to love God, love others, and make disciples, right? And so sin has broken our ability to truly fulfill that in our own power. We can't love God as we we're created to be because we've been separated from Him. Sin creates a barrier there. We can't love other people like we were intended to because sin breaks and affects those relationships too. And we can't truly make disciples on our own because we ourselves have been estranged. How can we point people to God if we ourselves have been separated from Him? See, God's Word helps us to understand our sinfulness. God's Word, and specifically the law, it reveals to us just how far we have fallen from God's grace. A few chapters later in Romans 7, Paul talks about uh, the struggle to, to truly live out God's intention and God's purpose in this world. In Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse 7, he says, What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would have not known what coveting really was if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. To that which is good then become death to me by no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin... It used what is good to bring about my death so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. And then he goes on to explain the struggle he has to do what is right. He wants to do what's right and yet struggles to do it. He doesn't want to do what's wrong and yet finds himself doing it over and over again. And so God's word, the law, is meant to reveal our sinfulness. It's meant to reveal just how far we have fallen from God's grace. Not to condemn us. Not to judge us, not to make us feel bad and worthless, but so that we may know how far we've fallen, so that we may respond to the free gift of grace that God has given us. See, God's Word is not meant to, to be used as a, as a club to beat us down, right? It's not meant to make us feel bad in order, you know, so that we, we don't know what to do. It's meant to convict us to help us to understand just how sinful we truly are so that we can then turn back to Christ and be transformed by His grace. Sin has really affected all spheres of life. It affects creation. We see in Genesis 3 in the curse that that creation itself, the earth itself, is affected by the reality of sin. In Romans 8, it talks about how creation groans. It's, it's yearning to be restored and to be put back right. And we see in our world, it's, it's affected by, by the reality of sin, by the, the sinful decisions of people and communities. And, uh, and we see the, that of, and coming through uh, 
the effects of, of, of creation. We see creation being disturbed and, and, and in a sense kind of out of whack from what it was intended to be. You know, I do believe that natural disasters, things like that, are, are evidence that creation is not in its perfect state that it was meant to. Now, I don't mean that, that you sinned, therefore a tornado is going to knock your house down. That's not what I mean by that. What I mean is that creation itself, just like our societies, just like our cultures, just like our own individual lives are affected by sin, creation itself is also affected by it. Society is affected by sin too. As I mentioned earlier, sin is not isolated to the individual. Right? Your sin is not just isolated to your own life and it, does, and it affects more than just you. And so we see sin coming through in institutional forms. We're affected by other people's sinful decisions and sometimes those sinful decisions are, are, uh, are affected on a very large scale. Even if we don't know these people, even if we've never met them, we can still be affected by their sinful decisions. And so governments, cultures, economic policies all fail to one degree or another to reflect the values of the kingdom. And then we are then affected by those policies. But probably most importantly for us to understand as well is that our, our sin affects us on a personal level. As I've already mentioned, everyone has sinned. To, to believe that we have not, to believe that we have not sinned is to, to make God out to be a liar, to make out His Word to be untrue. First John chapter 1, verses 8-10 through 10 is, reminds us that we've all sinned. And that to pretend like we haven't is to fool ourselves and in a sense to fool God. And we're responsible for our own sin. Alright, we can't blame God or we can't blame others. We need to acknowledge our sin as sin and take full responsibility for it. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, James writes, or excuse me, beginning verse 13, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. You see, we need to acknowledge that it's our own sinful desires, it's our own sinful nature that, that, that causes us then to sin. It results, as I've already mentioned, in a broken relationship with God and others. We've lost that paradise that God had created for us in the garden before sin entered the world and affected it. So we may ask, is, is sin the result of our nature or is it the result of, of being nurtured in that way, right? That's the classic, uh, you know, dichotomy in, in sociological circles or psycholo- psych- psychological circles is, are we, are, is, is, is our behavior ingrained in us from birth? Is it there as part of our, our DNA or makeup or is it learned behavior that produces, uh, certain kinds of, uh, learned patterns that, that create certain kinds of behavior? And so we may ask the same kind of question of sin. Is it ingrained in us? Is it a part of our human nature? Or is it something that we learn over time? And I think the answer is yes. Right? It's both. It's ingrained in us from birth. It's the result of the fall and the broken world that we live in. Right? It is, it is, it is a part of who we are as a result of that broken 
uh, image of God uh, because of, of the reality of sin. But it is also learned behavior. We also learn how to sin real well ourselves. Right? We learn how to make decisions that are contrary to God's Word. And so we can't just blame it on I was born this way, and we can't just blame it on learned behavior. It is both and. Our sin is so ingrained in us that it is a part of who we are, and it is a part of how we learn to live in this world. It seems like a pretty bleak prospect, right, doesn't it? I've spoken a lot today about sin, and that is not an easy pill to swallow. And if I were to just end the sermon here and just pray and close up, it would not be the most joyous occasion in the world, would it? But that's not the end of the story, thankfully. You know, the question we now have to ask ourselves is how do we respond to the reality of sin? Scripture is very clear, very clear that we are all sinners in need of a Savior, that none of us are perfect. None of us have earned the right to be part of God's family, to overcome the, the, the reality of sin in our own lives. Because it's not about the, the magnitude of our sin, it's about the magnitude of the one whom we sinned against. In other words, we like to we like to grade our sin, don't we? There's some sins that are worse than others, right? There's some sins that are 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 much more uh, uh, impactful, right? Uh, and so we we label those as as the sin to avoid, and then we we excuse other things that don't seem like that big of a deal. But the reality is that all sin is equal in God's sight, whether we label it that way or acknowledge it to be that way. Because it's not about the sin itself, it's about the one whom we've sinned against. God is infinitely glorious and good and perfect and just and holy. And when we have sinned against Him, no matter whether we think it's big or small, it's still an affront to an infinitely perfect and good God and therefore equally uh, equally guilty. And so our response then needs to be one of confession and repentance. Confession. We need to admit that we have done wrong. We need to admit that we are, in fact, sinners. That this is not a problem that other people have, but it is a problem that we ourselves struggle with on a, on a daily and even momentary basis. Psalm 32 says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who trust him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Notice there how this psalm progressed. He, he acknowledges that, that, that if, he, if he kept his sin silent, right? If he, if he just kept it to himself and refused to acknowledge it, he was wasting away. But as soon as he was willing to acknowledge his sin before the Lord, as soon as he was willing to uncover his iniquity and, and, and be honest with himself and with God about the reality of sin, it was in that moment that he experienced God's forgiveness. 
It was through confession that he was able to truly experience God's love and grace. It wasn't pretending that sin was no big deal. It wasn't pretending that sin didn't exist, but it was acknowledging sin for what it was and allowing God, that allowing, then experiencing God's forgiveness as a result of that. So we need to confess, but then we also need to repent. Literally a change of mind, a turning of direction. And repentance is the product of God's work through Jesus Christ and the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We, can, we, we confess our sins and we repent, not as a way to earn God's love, but in response to the love that He's shown us in Christ. Because of God's great mercy, because of His love, we can then acknowledge our sin, not out of fear, but out of response to God's love. Not out of fear of punishment, but out of acknowledging His love for us. And we see in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, that repentance does bring God, God joy. There is rejoicing in heaven when someone turns from their sinful ways and returns to God. See, that's why we talk about sin. That's why we acknowledge sin for what it is, so that we can then truly experience God's grace through confession and repentance. That's the ministry, that's the heart of the gospel. That is what Christ has done for us. He took our sin upon himself on the cross and he died so that we may live. And to avoid talking about sin, to, to sweep it under the rug is then to ignore the great and outstanding and amazing love that God has for us in Christ. And I hope you and pray that you experience that for yourselves this day. Father, we thank you that you have shown your light in the darkness of our lives. We acknowledge before you now that we are sinners in need of a Savior. None of us are perfect. But we thank you, Lord, also that you have not left us in our sin, but you have redeemed us and rescued us. You have made for yourself a people so that we may be part of your family and your kingdom. I pray that we would experience that this day. In Christ we pray. Amen. Let's sing, stand and sing number 493, It Is Well With My Soul.
And now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You may go in peace.